Hello, this is Robert Neville from the Food Justice and Sustainability Program at KAM Isaiah Israel in Hyde Park. You're listening to 1590 WCGO Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Here we've got an overwintering dome. This is very typical. They are very hardy. Normally to overwinter they will seek a a hiding place, some place that gives them a little bit of protection from the weather. And you can see that this gnome is chosen behind this rock. Last fall it went undetected and unnoticed. It was able to overwinter. And you can see that now it's becoming quite large gnome and quite a nuisance, quite a problem. If left unchecked, they can outcompete other lawn ornaments and other parts of the landscape. Here we see a gnome that has taken up residency in a pagoda. This particular gnome overwintered in this pagoda. And if left unchecked, it can destroy this particular lawn ornament. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets. This hour is brought to you by. Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. And by Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. USA made with a five-year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with better light. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. And good morning. Good afternoon. Good day. Good evening. Hello. Good night. (laughs) We're out of here. No. (laughs) That's all, folks. Uh, That's all she wrote. It's a new year. Uh, You got to like that. Let's go lurching into 2019. Uh, And we... We got our dingers here. No no sound effects. No. Well, I... I, You got the frog? I did bring the frog back. But that's the only sound of no, no, no whistles and bells and things. Uh, it's January. It is. Uh, it is. It is. You know, I've I've got a few of uh, of the regular uh, folks here in the studio. If we care to bring them in, that makes no sense. Okay, so uh, there you go. Uh, thank in for you. another year. Uh, and uh, it's. We're very excited because we have a brand new sponsor on the show, uh, and you probably just heard it uh, with our announcer, Heather Fry, uh, talking about Bartlett Tree Experts. They get a double ding. Um, and they are uh, have become a primary sponsor of the Mike Novak Show for 2019. We're, we're thrilled about that. And what's kind of cool about that, now they're not, they're, they're a national company. They're in a lot of different states, not in all states. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, we talk a lot about our friends out in uh, KOTA in Rapid City, South Dakota, um, and they have Johnson Tree Care out there. Bartlett, their nearest office is Minneapolis, which is kind of out of the range. So um, 
But in a lot of states, especially the Midwest and in California, and the yeah. reason I bring this up is because I've already had two people write to me. I saw that. Uh, one, You saw one of them. Another one was a friend who wrote an email and said, yeah, we use Bartlett out here in California. I'm like, cool. I'm so glad to hear that as well. So uh, what I would say is we need to get on a station in California mm-hmm. now. So if you folks listening on a podcast uh, elsewhere or you're listening on the live stream uh, on Facebook or or uh, uh, at MikeNovak.net. Make some connections for us. M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. Uh, yeah. Uh, go to your favorite radio station and say, you know, you need to have the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, and uh, California is a, would be a great place. Mm-hmm. So Bartlett Tree Experts is a, a f- sponsor. You're going to be hearing a lot about them. You're going to see them uh, on our website and on our Facebook page and on our stream here. Um, you can see, the, I can see their logo right now. Yeah, so um, at, go to Facebook. Uh, right, the Mike Novak Show on Facebook, and we do that. So we start the year in January with gardening. Go figure. Uh, because it's warm enough in Chicago to do that. Again, we've been talking about climate variability. We had at the end of the year Rick DeMaio talking climate variability last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and those of you who are in various parts of the country know up all about this because some places it's really warm, some places it's colder. Um, and I thought the most interesting thing he said last week was that seasons don't exist as seasons, mm-hmm. at least at least not lately. Maybe not anymore. He says you get three weeks of similar weather and then you're done and you move on to something yeah. else. So here we are in January. Yesterday was in almost 60 degrees. Yikes. It was a beautiful sunny day. Today's a little cooler. Tomorrow's going to be warm, but rain. We're not, there's basically no snow here in Chicago. Looks like it's going to be another winter with no snow. So we start by talking gardening with David Perling, who's an author, photographer, garden designer. Uh, he has been gardening uh, and designing in the Midwest, in California, in Arizona. So he knows a lot of different climates. And that's kind of what I want to ask him about is how do you adapt to each situation? He was on my show back when I was at Gargantua Radio down the dial many, many years ago. <laughs> and he tracked me down. He hunted me down like a dog and said, I'm going to be on your show. I'm coming to Chicago. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, where you are now. So... That's what he did. He's sitting out there with his daughter, um, and he will be in the studio in just a second. And we're going to talk about garden design and five basic steps to get your garden rolling. It's that simple, but you didn't realize that. David Perling coming up. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That's not just a tree in your yard. It's an investment. It's a windbreak. It's a natural work of art. It's part of the family, which is why you want Bartlett Tree Experts to care for your tree. With 120 offices worldwide, Bartlett is the largest residential tree care firm in the world, and their techniques are backed by the science of the Bartlett Research Laboratories. Call for a free estimate because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. This is Peggy Malecki. Do you want to give your veggie seedlings a head start next spring? Then do what I do. Put them under a Happy Leaf LED grow light, and you'll never go back to shop lights again. 50,000-plus hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, USA made. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code MIKE. Happy Leaf LED grow lights. Your plants will grow bigger, faster, and better. 
right. I'll give a prize to anybody who knows what that is, because that's brand new. New Horizons? Does that does it ring a bell? Uh, nobody, nobody, nobody got anything. Okay, this is in honor of the visit of the New Horizons spacecraft out to the outer reaches of our solar system, and who knows where it'll end up someday. That was written by Brian May, who was the lead guitarist for Queen, Mm -hmm. and he's an astrophysicist. And I don't know. I, I actually I should have gone to Wikipedia to find out how what order that comes in. Whether he started as an astrophysicist and became a rock star, yeah. uh, or it went the other way around. I suspect it went the other way I around. Saw something going around on Facebook about that. Did you know? Yeah, and he wrote a song in honor of the New Horizons spacecraft going to Ultima Thule, which is four billion. Billions of billions, billions of billions of of miles away from uh, our planet Earth, and the photos are just coming in. Mm -hmm. Coolest thing ever. They call it the snowman now because it's two two pieces of interstellar, not interstellar, but solar accretion that started at the beginning of the solar system that glommed together. Apparently, they orbited each other and very slowly fused together billions and billions of years ago. Space stuff. Right. Uh, And it's so cool. And he wrote this song. I doubt that it's going to be a chart topper, but uh, I thought, well, let's bring it on the show. So that's our uh, that's our astronomy segment for today. That's all we got for that. But you science geeks out there, I figured uh, you enjoyed that. But what we're really going to pay attention to today is the guy who's standing there who brought in a box of avocados. Homegrown. Now, now this those are homegrown. That's oh, <laughs> I am so jealous. And handpicked by me from my own tree, all organic. Never been sprayed, nothing. They're really? as fresh as they can possibly Now, uh, is it tough to grow uh, avocados organically? Well, because we know avocados are grown in Southern California, I wanted to plant a tree because we love guacamole more than anything else. And, uh-huh. um, and so in June of 2015, I purchased a little five-gallon straggly avocado tree at a— 2015, you 20, say? Yeah, three years ago, three and a half years okay. ago. Took it home. And I planted it in, in my garden in my front yard. Which is where? In Chula Vista, California, suburban San Diego. I, my home is located about a mile from the ocean in the South hmm. Bay area. All right. And about 20 Where the temperature is 72 degrees all year long. <laughs> we actually had 29 degrees the other morning, and I'm about, I'm about 20 feet above sea level. But anyways, so I researched avocados. And everything I read said it's take, it takes five to seven years to get a crop. A neighbor of mine is a former grower. She said five to seven years, Dave. The shortest time I saw was four years. Now, I guess I'm a little bit like uh, Han Solo in that regard, Harrison <laughs> Ford. I, sometimes I amaze even myself. I said five to seven years, not with me it won't. Uh-huh. July, the year later, we had one avocado, and then the tree and I had a talk. I said, look, I know you can do this, okay? Uh-huh. August of 2017, two years later, we picked baskets full of avocados. Now we're three years in. I picked, I don't know how many dozen avocados off of my tree uh, this year already, and there's still several dozen more on the tree. I picked Fabulous. these I picked these last week. Here's a dozen for you guys. They still need to ripen up a little mm-hmm. bit. I did okay. put the, the banana in the box 
uh, for the last week because the bananas give off a natural gas known as ethylene, right? Mm-hmm. And it causes fruits to ripen. Yeah. Apple, and so that's been in there. But it might I, take I use that week. for my tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, you know, put to me green tomatoes in a bag. Put a banana in there with them. But anyways, no, it is not hard to grow avocados organically. They're, the the trees are not prone to many pests. Or so diseases. what? So why do you think you were able to do this in such a short time? Um, it's probably a little, again, I'm, first of all, you live in San Diego, I do which live, really yeah, helps. I do. I don't live in an ideal spot according to the literature about avocado, avocado groves. There's still 30 square miles of avocado groves in the San Diego area. They're almost always on steep hillsides for the drainage. My, my garden is very flat. Cause they want and, really good drainage. Yes, obviously. And my, my soil, it must, must be, right. must be draining. Very okay. Well. See, here's what I got to talk to you about. I have a, I have a six foot tall avocado plant in my living room. Right now, okay, here, here okay. in Chicago, and I've been growing that for under the lights. Un, it's it's under my Happy Leaf LED grow light. Um, for the winter, it's an experiment because in past years, what I do is I take the plant outside during the summer, bring it inside uh, for the winter, and what it does in the winter, it sulks, it languishes oh. because it doesn't have enough light, it doesn't have enough heat, uh, it survives, and then I put it back out in the summer again, and then it thrives again, and it sends out more leaves. In fact, this past summer was spectacular because I repotted it. I decided at the beginning of the summer, okay, I'm going to repot this thing. Uh, it's It was really root-bound. It's in a huge pot. And I and I went nuts and uh, repotted it, and it, it went crazy, sending leaves and branches all over the place, and I thought, Oh no! Now I got to bring it inside. It's just going to sulk again over the winter. So I thought, let me put a little happy leaf grow light above mm-hmm. it, and we'll see what happens. Well, it still has lost some leaves, the lower ones where it's not getting as much mm-hmm. wa- light, but the upper ones where it is getting the light seem to be doing okay. Which led us to the question we had, or an idea we had a few weeks ago when I was talking about this, is that we need a, a vertical light yeah. on it as well not just from the top but from the sides as well so my did you put reflector under it uh no forgot to do that okay well uh, <laughs> well avocados also really need a pollinator tree a nearby tree of a slight, well i don't yeah, expect to yeah. get fruit ever okay. i just want the thing to be healthy i mean Happy. if it ever blooms i'd be i'd be surprised they bloom where i live in march and they bloom mine blooms profusely we we did plant a pollinator nearby on the other side of our home, but we think there might be a big avocado somewhere nearby that I don't know about. That's also providing the pollen. For so you need trees. more than one plant in the area. It's it's kind of like a, a service berry. It's not absolute, but it does help to have a pollinator. You will mm-hmm. get more and bigger fruit if there's a pollinator. And there's two groups of avocados: a group A and a group B. I have a group A. This is a Haas avocado. Then to pollinate, you need to go in from group B. So we have a. Fuerte avocado planted nearby that I planted. So you just need two different varieties yeah. of avocado, basically, yeah. to do that. Now, and, yeah. and I don't even know what this one is because I think I remember we bought some avocados and I threw it into the compost pile and it sprouted and I put it in a pot. And now, Why not? you know, 10 years later, it's it's five feet tall in my living room, but... I don't think it's ever going to bloom because it's too cold and we don't have enough light here in, yeah, it in may the winter. Not, it may not, too, because also with fruit trees and a lot of other plants, the plants that 
germinate from a seed are not true to the variety of the of the, of the tree they came. Are avocados from. like that? I think they are. Yes. Everything is done with crossbreeding now, sure. and they develop a variety, and then it's all done with grafting after that, and rooted cuttings and so forth. Yeah. I can't speak specifically about your avocado or even mine, but I believe that's how it's done. They're almost all grafted. Well, now we need to have an yeah. avocado expert on go. the show. Yeah. Uh, I thought Definitely. you were it because you've got a box well, of them that you grew in your own. I can yard. grow them. <laughs> uh, but I'm not, I'm not the scientific expert I wish I probably should be. So, so and, and we haven't even done a proper introduction. That's David Perling. And um, uh, you explain who you are yourself rather than me read something off a well, page. I, um, I, I'm blessed because I've had the privilege of working in three completely different climate zones. I started, believe it or not, when the president of our country was a peanut farmer in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, spent about five years in no, the he, desert. No, he wasn't in P- Phoenix, Arizona. You were. <laughs> I was. But uh, he was out of Georgia. That would right. be, I, I started during the Carter administration, uh, starting in, in the landscaping and garden center business yeah. in Phoenix. I opened a little business called Poco Verde Nursery. It's known today as Poco Verde Landscaping. It's still in business to this day. And uh, uh, Still out of Phoenix? Out of Phoenix, yes, sir. Okay. And, so uh, so you, you run it long distance? No, I don't run it at all. I sold it. To, oh, okay, okay. To, I, not long after I, I started, I, uh, I, I took out a partner who knew, who, knew, who knew more about landscaping than I know, and it really took off, and then I sold that to uh, a man named David Owens. He's still there. And then I came to Chicago for a, um, to work in the nursery business back in the mid-'80s. Why? Why Chicago? Uh, uh, my then-wife was uh, born and raised in the Phoenix area. It does not like the desert, still doesn't to this day. And so... When we well, you know chance. why? There are scorpions. <laughs> yeah. I'm just telling you. Just saying. Okay. Everything that lives in the desert, whether it be plant or animal, will bite you, sting you, <laughs> stick you, or try to kill you that's one way or another. That's okay? what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what it is, plant or animal. They all got sharp Why teeth, do you think people live in Minneapolis sting? and deal <laughs> with right. the cold? That's exactly right. And in right. Chicago and in, in Milwaukee and in, you know, Cleveland and I, wherever else. I then took a job with a giant nursery company out of Irvine, California, and uh, which sells plants all over the country. The recession, I think, put them under. But I came up here in the mid-'80s, and I quickly transitioned to another company after that. And I worked in the area, in the Chicago area, uh, for about 25 years, the last 15, as a landscape contractor of a business that my family and I ran out of the Joliet and Will County area. Mm-hmm. And then about, uh, oh, about uh, 2009, I slipped and fell on the ice really hard three times in mm-hmm. January in a three-week span of time. And I said, I got to get out of here if I'm going to remain alive. <laughs> and so uh, I was going to move back to... The rest uh, of us are really, <laughs> really careful at this time of year. <laughs> yes. I was planning to move back to the Phoenix area or Scottsdale, but at the time... My lovely sister was living in San Diego, so she sold me on San Diego. Ah. And I'm really glad she did because the summers in San Diego are so much more pleasant. We have half of Arizona. Pleasant than what? More pleasant than Phoenix summers. We yeah, have, oh, yeah. We, yes. have, we yeah, have half yeah. of Phoenix in San Diego <laughs> all summer this. long based on the license plates you see by our beaches, and we love them. Arizonans, conversely, grouse about their snowbirds they are called from illinois and ohio and minnesota sure. who go down to there they talk about snowbirds are clogging the traffic snowbirds are are you know, occupying all the season restaurants i love to chide them in october when they start complaining about snowbirds and i said well you know what we call you guys over here in san diego we call you guys zonies from arizona because you clog up our <laughs> beaches and uh, we love you though you arizona you, you're, you're such a welcoming state <laughs> yeah, well it's yeah. because you're so big yeah. you can <laughs> We can, can afford to have those people coming. We can coming fit in. a lot more in. So, anyways, uh, I went back out to uh, I went to San Diego, and worked in the business out there for a few years. And uh, I have since more or less hung up my shovel and my pruning shears 
and I'm just merely a blabbermouth now about gardening, and I do work for my friends and relatives and so forth from now on. That's now and dangerous, again. isn't and I, it? Oh, yeah, I love it. I, I, I can't wait to get dirt under my fingernails and a shovel or a pruner in my hand now and then. Uh, so how it, you just run the one business, but you it looks as though from what I've read, you still design things here? And uh, elsewhere, yes, it's like I, you, you'll take a job wherever, yes, right? Yes, I, I get contacts uh, from people all, all regularly about wanting to help them design their gardens and so forth. Uh, the most recent was probably my daughter, Elena, who's sitting in the lobby here. We, uh, we, she'd been in her house for about six or seven years, and we finally designed up a back patio and a garden uh, thing for her yard. And it's turned out beautifully. It really did. Well, that's why we're here this morning at the beginning of January, to talk about garden design, because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, unless you, you actually live in San mm-hmm. Diego or Phoenix, you guys can be out there gardening. Yeah. And, uh, but here we're planning. And well, we can design right now, anywhere, especially in the Chicago area. Get a piece of paper and a pencil and a ruler or a scale. And we're going to talk about that because you've got, yeah, you've got five... Basic rules. Last time you were on my show when I was at Gargantua Radio down the dial, uh, you had 13. Mm-hmm. You've boiled it down to five. Folks, it's simple. See? You you thought gardening was hard. It's really easy. It's very easy. <laughs> and and, and if, you, if you follow my recommendations, keep in mind that not only am I lazy, I'm also very cheap. Okay? So if I'm recommending it, it probably plays very well into those two things. Okay? Mm-hmm. So if you please... Take advantage of what we're about to talk about here. You will have gardens that are less expensive, a lot easier to install and maintain, and they will save a lot of resources, especially water. Also, you will use way less chemicals and pesticides, and your gardens will be completely earth-friendly. Friendly. And that's a big concern nowadays. And, of course, and, it's it's yeah, huge. And, and I see that. I'm going ahead, Mike. No, no, no you and go Well, ahead. I see, you know, all of us are concerned about the environment. There's no doubt about that. You are, I am, my daughters are. It's, it's sort of the are. theme of this yeah, show. We, okay. have to, we have to be now. But I see time and time again that people neglect their own backyards in that respect. Mm-hmm. Probably the biggest sin, if you can call it that, is here in the Midwest we have way too much lawn. And lawns are a huge waste of resources, water. There are maintenance sinkholes. Let's try to move away from that a little bit. That's still a foreign concept here. It's not a foreign concept in California, but it is here. You know, I I have a a saying, when in doubt, rip it out, and it's about lawns. But if you're going to grow a lawn, I say, do it smart. Okay, let's be smart about it. If if you're going to grow a lawn, try to reduce the size of it. Uh, try to reduce the inputs. Uh, try to reduce the water. Uh, just do it smart and do it earth friendly. It's possible. I do that with mine. I don't put anything on my mm-hmm. lawn. I haven't. I haven't added any anything to my lawn except compost in years. And that's that's and that's a great idea. You know, to the common uh, wisdom about lawns here is that in dry periods, which we have almost every year, lawns require one inch of water per week to remain green and growing. I don't think they really take that much, but that's the common wisdom. That's the conventional wisdom, one inch of water. But they say that about your garden beds as well, so it's sort of across the board that has I, been. I don't even think garden beds need that much. I think garden beds, planted garden beds with the with the right mix of plants can almost get along with what God sends from the clouds. I, I really believe that. But lawns do take water. I've done some math. I've done the math on this. 1,000 square feet of lawn requires 600 gallons of water to put one inch of water, and that's six, 600 gallons, 600 gallons. A 5,000-square-foot lawn 
requires 3,000 gallons to water, one inch of water at a time. If you did that for a month, if you had a dry month, we have dry months around here all the Mm -hmm. time. That's enough water, 12,000 gallons is enough to fill a swimming pool. And that's just to keep your lawn watered. You're supposed yeah. to say Olympic swimming pool because everybody <laughs> everybody always uses an Olympic swimming pool. Well, this would not be this would be a backyard pool. Okay, but that's twelve thousand sure. gallons, and that that's the, how much water you would wow. be putting on in a month. All that's right, a lot of water wasted. When we come back, we're going to go through the five things you should know about gardening. So get your uh, no, nobody uses a pen and paper anymore. So get out your computer, get out your device, and whatever. Start tweeting them. Right, exactly. Uh, That's David Perling. He's a landscape architect. Well, actually, uh, uh, we'll we'll, we'll clarify that in a second. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. From boat to doorstep. You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. Wild Things is back, and good grammar has not went. We're talking about the 2019 Wild Things Conference on February 23rd at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center in Rosemont. There's nothing like it anywhere else in the country as naturalists, citizen scientists, conservationists, birders, and more converge for nine hours of seminars, comedy, workshops, and goodwill. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is a media sponsor again this year. Go to wildthingscommunity.org. This is Mike Novak. The song says it's the most wonderful time of the year, unless you're homeless. And I'm Bill Turk. It's hard to know what to do, but you can design a care kit for people in need, something that will do some good in the short run. And I'm Peggy Malecki. The number one item people need is good socks, high quality wool or thermal. Hats, gloves, and scarves are also important, along with hygiene products like deodorant, body wash, toothbrushes and toothpaste, band-aids, lip balm, wet wipes, even nail clippers. Food products can include high-protein snacks, easy-to-open tuna, crackers and peanut butter, applesauce, granola bar, or fruit rolls. And I put everything in a one-gallon Ziploc bag. And if you can, make a connection, offer a smile, or even your first name. And don't forget to include some feminine products, too. You're not changing the world. Just making one person's world a little better for a little while. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. There we go. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. See, now, see, I couldn't hear myself when I thought, oh, no, we've got that problem again. But no, it was a microphone thing. All right, we're back. He was getting into the song. Uh, I know, weren't we all? I got to like that. Uh, Harry Nilsson. Uh, and we have information about Brian May that we got from uh, listener Bill Turk. He says, Brian May earned his Ph.D. in astrophysics in 2007. So Queen was much 
more before the astrophysics thing. That's kind of cool, though. Goes from life beyond rock and roll. Exactly. And in the studio, we have David Perling. Are you a landscape architect or are you just a, a, a landscape designer? Or a landscape high- designer. No, a, a landscape architecture is a specific uh, college earned degree. I do not have that. Uh, most of my uh, experience comes through practical on the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, but however, I do. I did take one semester of, of horticulture classes in college in the Phoenix area. And I got a lot of stuff, a lot of good knowledge out of that. Landscape design, landscape construction, and several horticulture classes. So a lot of it comes from the school of hard knocks, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Which is a great way to learn stuff, mm-hmm. especially gardeners. I mean, you just, just doing it. Experience. Yeah. Is, is, uh, is key. So we're going to give something away here. And it has uh, before... to do with you living in Southern California. Yes, I have a question. Uh, and we're going to give a, a, a really nice a, a bundle of prizes, a Corona pruner, the scabbard or holster that you can carry them in, a little sharpening tool, and a package of wildflower seeds designed to attract hummingbirds and butterflies. So here's, here's what I want to find out. Somebody can answer this. A significant change happened in the wholesale plant growing business that now allows us today. This happened 60, 60 years ago in the 1950s. There's a specific reason why today we can go into any garden center, almost any place, and buy a nice, ready-to-plant plant in our yard that comes in a plastic container and take it home and plant it that day, almost any time during the growing season, no matter where we live. Even in Southern California, prior to this change, plants were grown in the field, in the ground, like they much are around here still. But um, back in Southern California, uh, they, they transitioned from field-growing plants, which can field-grown plants, Many varieties can only be grown at certain specific times of the year. This plant in March, that plant in September, and so forth. Field-growing plants uh, uh, transition to potted plants, which then can be sold and planted any time because of one reason, and it's because of a mouse. Because of a mouse. <laughs> Name the mouse. And I, we're going to give our bundle of uh, stuff, the pruners, the scabbard, the sharpening tool, and the wildflower seeds to the first caller who can name the mouse that caused this transition of plant availability from certain times of the year only to any time of the year when the, when you have good weather, okay? Name that mouse. 877 uh, 877-711-5611. 877-711-5611, and the gift uh, prize is worth roughly uh, 50 bucks. So you've got a, the, the Corona Leather Pruner Scabbard Holster, the Corona... 318, no, 3180D classic cut forged bypass hand pruner, uh, the Corona AC 8300 sharpening tool, and the bulk wild, wild flower seeds, butterfly, and hummingbird mix. Uh, and you'll get that. So give us a call, 877-711-5611. Okay, we need to go into the five mm-hmm. things. So you, out of all this time, you've been doing this for, for decades now, you got Five ideas that you think uh, lead to good garden design. Yes, and I think the the place to start is to have a plan. Mike, when you and I met originally, number one. Mike, when you and I met originally, you you had a minor disagreement. You you said something along the lines of, "Well, you don't have to plan everything," and I agree with that one hundred percent. Well, I go into garden talks, and one of the things I tell people is, "Garden design is overrated," which gets me in trouble, of course, sometimes, but. I actually had a woman at one of my garden talks sitting in the back of the room. Her hand goes up. I go, uh-oh. She goes, I'm a garden designer. I went, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. She said, some planning 
is a good thing. And that's what you're saying, is yes. some planning is a some good thing. Some planning is a good thing. You know, plan out your, your gross spaces. If you need a storage area, if you need an area for the, the pets, if you want to put a pool or a patio in some place, a great place to start that process is on paper with a pencil. You can lay things out, stand back, look at it for a minute, and maybe go back and uh, revise it a little bit with nothing more than an eraser or a new piece of paper. That's a very – you don't need to design in every plant, but – Things, things to include in your design besides where your patio or where your pool or your dog run should be are this. We want you to have, even here in the Chicago area, please have no more than 50% of your plantable space be lawn. And if you follow my guidelines, the rest of your gardens will pretty much design themselves. Whatever lawn you have, have no lawn growing next to a vertical surface, such as the wall of your home or a mm-hmm. fence. Have beds around those spaces. Make the plant the bed sweep around the home, all the way around, and and along your entire fence line. So you've already eliminated a lot of lawn right there. And and then when you fill in these beds, it's not that difficult. I like to. Yeah, can, can I can I can I talk about? Yeah, I'm interrupting you, and I apologize. But one of the things people do is when they design, and I'm using air quotes here for design their beds. You can view the garden by standing in the middle of the yard and twirling around, which means that they put it all around the perimeter, and they've got this big smash of lawn in the middle, and then it everything's tucked around the fences, and that's it. That's their garden design, and that's not particularly engaging, is no, it? No, 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 not at all. Have half-planted beds out in the middle of the yard. Uh, create hidden spots in corners of the yard. I, I love having a hidden patio in a corner of the yard away from the home. Uh, or or uh, it could be something as simple as just a few flagstones and a, and a chair or a bench or something, the, those kind of things. Uh, yeah, no, you don't have to do the, you know, the, uh, the like Mike said, the perimeter thing only. Mm-hmm. Planted beds can be anywhere, and the more the, the, more, the better, I think. I, I think uh, the 11 by 17-inch graph paper is great paper to start with. The little squares are easy then to calculate, uh, you know, how big this wall is or, or that, that space should be. And, and uh, also, if you, if you lay out your plan to scale, mm-hmm. when it comes time to order things like mulch or bulk materials, you know how many square feet you have just by measuring the square feet on your paper. You don't have to go out to your yard with the tape measure and measure out there. And you can do that on your, on your table in the house today very, very easily. So that is a place to start. Uh, probably more work than I'm willing to do, meaning bringing out the, <laughs> the graph paper. Mm-hmm. But it's not a bad thing to just... Get a piece of paper and draw something. Get a get a yeah, rough idea a, of what you've got. It's in. a good place to at least yeah. start. You you said plat of survey. Uh, um, I can't even find my plat of survey. I've been looking for it for years now. Those can be hard if you if it didn't if it didn't if it didn't come with your home's closing papers. But if it you, did, if and I lost it. And I and I know the folder. It's a red <laughs> folder. It's somewhere in the house. I have, unless I recycled it, but I don't think I did. It's somewhere. I have, well, it, people, along with well, you, those, you, the, you can get another one. But I know. Yeah, but, I think your county tax people probably have it, but you can measure it yourself. It doesn't have to be exact. You're not you're not building a jet airplane or something here. Yeah. But it, it's uh, it's a good place to start as. I said, it's easy to use an, a, an eraser and a fresh pencil to just start over again if you have to versus, you know, if you if you do, do it in the yard and it's uh, then it's too late. And yeah. from a planning standpoint, I think it also helps. It, you've at least got some place to start. You're not out randomly buying a ton of plants that exactly. you can't use. Exactly. All right. By the way, we need to we need to uh, ask the question again because. Uh, the silence is deafening. Nobody knows the name of the mouse. Uh, we've got you all know the name of this mouse. I guarantee you, everybody knows <laughs> the name of this mouse. That okay? changed. But he's got you big ears. Can't. He has big ears. And when it changed the horticultural world forever. And, and I'll give you another hint. 
we have huge cruise ships come into San Diego all the time. One of them is a cruise ship owned by this company. And when this ship docks, they blow the horn, and it sounds like this. Okay, that's enough of that. All right. <laughs> that's... This is why you're a garden designer. 877-711-5611. You so get the name of the mouse. You, you win a bunch of you stuff. You win a bunch of stuff. All yes. right. Uh, so let's go to number two. We know we should have a plan. Uh, and, you know, we can't go th- We go in too much detail. Oh, Randall's picking up the phone. Um, and the second one is planted beds are everything. What do you mean by planted well, beds are everything? Because that's where you get the color and the interest, the blooms. Yeah, tracking the but but aren't, aren't, the aren't they going to plant beds anyway? I mean, why do you have to tell people this? Just more more to stress the fact that let's have less lawn and more planted beds. I guess that's what I'm trying to get across there. Have uh, less lawn and more planted beds. Gotcha. And uh, there's a lot of resistance to that idea here in, here in the Midwest. And here's what I would. Oh, okay. Um, Pam in Naperville? Yeah, let's put Pam in Naperville on. Pam, you're on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Good morning. Hi, thank you, except my name is Jan, not Pam. Jan. Hi, That's Jan. okay. But Randall's deaf, okay? He's been working radio too long here, all right? And he's, take, he's <laughs> taken a couple of shots to the head while playing hockey as well, so it's something like that. Uh, Jan, what is the answer to the question, who is the mouse? Mickey Mouse. That okay. mouse. Okay, bonus points, Jan. Do you know why Mickey Mouse is so important in this? Oh, no, that I don't know. Maybe well, I do. I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> when they were building Disneyland in the 1950s, Walt Disney, as the parks are today, wanted nothing but the finest, most lush, colorful landscaping the day the park first opened. But the landscape architects and the, and the landscapers themselves were telling Walt Disney well, Mr. Disney, you can't get this plant this time of year. We have to wait till April, or we have to wait till next September. And Walt Disney said, guys, I'm Walt Disney. If I want a plant, I want it now. Go figure it out, okay? So that's what they did. And uh, the, the nurseries transitioned from field growing out there to above-ground growing in containers. And it's not there anymore, but I used to work for a big nursery that we used to sell to Disneyland. And it's, just, it's a feather in the cap of growers who are able to do that. And uh, there actually used to be a big full-size garden center behind the Disney parts, the parks that you would see, a service area. And we would go in there and see what plants they had and what plants they needed. And they only shipped them the most wonderful plants at, on any given delivery. So that's it. Walt Disney said, I want plants. I want them now. Figure it out. And that's what they did. And that carried through to much of the parts of the country where plants can be grown above the ground. Uh, okay, so Jan, you just won uh, the Corona uh, pruners and the scabbard and the sharpening tool and the wildflower seed mix. Uh, and by the way, Walt Disney is also the person who broke our uh, copyright uh, laws in America. Basically, um, Randall was telling us early. What was it you were you were saying that uh... that anything um, that was made before 1929 is now public record, right? And... Public domain, public except. Domain. Mickey Mouse. Oh. They have fought and fought the copy. Mickey Mouse will never go into the public domain, even though our laws say it should. And that's a very different story. So uh, Disney also broke the copyright laws in America. Uh, Jan, thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll uh, get the information to Randall and Ellie, and we'll send the stuff out. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. More with David Perling when we come back. 
You can enjoy fresh local food all winter long at indoor farmer's markets hosted by different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April 6th. Your purchase of sustainably produced foods helps support regional farm families. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of all faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule and more info, go to faithinplace.org. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policies. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Openlands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connection to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse the collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. Tree-stories.org. My bills are all due and the baby needs shoes and I'm busted. Yeah, that's because you work in horticulture. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've got David Perling in the studio who's a landscape designer and we're going through his his five tips for having a good-looking garden uh, as we roll into 2019. We've gone through the first two. The first one was have a plan. The second is uh, planted beds are everything. Uh, One of the things you say about planted beds that I really like, and I don't think people understand who are new to gardening, is they're buying a small number of big plants because they think it'll fill better, but you say buy uh, a larger number of small plants. Absolutely. Plants do a wonderful thing. They grow. (laughs) Um, If I go out and buy a 32-inch TV this afternoon in five years, it's still going to be a 32-inch TV. However, that little plant you buy for $5 today is going to be huge in five years. That makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I buy buy smaller plants, and there's no need to dig those holes twice as wide or one and a half times as deep for normal nursery stock. Just plant them in a hole that you just get them in the ground. They'll grow just fine. Well, you're you're saying they should get used to the soil they're going to be in. And and that's the thing about trees. The old old way of doing trees was you dig a a really wide hole, and then you amend it like crazy. Uh, And now they're saying, no, 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 just dig the hole and and use the soil that's there because the tree needs to Mm -hmm. learn how to grow in that soil. Absolutely true. I have have planted thousands of plants myself, and that's worked every time. You don't need to dig those holes twice as wide. 
are one and a half times as deep. If well, you do. And, and the point I was making, though, like for trees, yeah, you want you want it wider than. But the point is using the soil that's already exactly. there. Yeah. yeah, you don't need to amend it. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to number three I, because this is one of my favorites. Three things to never use. Yes, I don't want you to use. Please, let's don't use plastic lawn edging. Woo-hoo! Really, our gardens should not be reto- repositories for plastic. That's totally counterintuitive to me. But we see plastic edging everywhere, edging lawns. It's not needed. You don't need it for, it's putting a lot of black plastic in the ground. It doesn't belong there. Let's move away from that. In the Southwest, it's not being used. Uh, In Arizona, never because the sun's rays would destroy it. So I never got in the Ah. bad habit to begin with. But up here, it's used extensively. It frost heaves out of the ground. And, yeah, it uh, does. That's what just, it... just edge your beds with a string trimmer or once or twice a year with a spade and you'll be done. Forget, you know what Honey Badger uh, says about plastic? Oh, that's nasty. Okay, there we go. Thank you, Honey Badger. Uh, but uh, so uh, no, no plastic trimming. Uh, lawn edging, uh, uh, as you say. Uh, what are the other things you don't We like? don't want you to try to, don't, no, try. Don't use gaudy colored stone, artificially colored mulches. They're being sold extensively. Now, I've seen these red dyed mulches. One time I saw a, 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 a pallet of them in a store, and it was literally bleeding the red color, dripping on the floor. We don't need artificial Yikes. colors in our gardens. We don't use I recommend just natural hardwood bark mulch, and do not use weed barrier fabric either. Under under you don't weed barrier fabric again serves no purpose, and you'll be very frustrated when you want to go and add a plant. You got to cut that fabric aside. Forget about it. I have just a saying about it. about landscaping fabric. It's fabric, but it ain't landscaping. No, it's it's, it's not it's not needed. It, and uh, so don't use don't use the plastic edging. Well, people think they're going to suppress weeds with it, and what they don't understand is they put the fabric down. Uh, and then what happens invariably because it's it's outside, dirt gets on top of or soil mm-hmm. gets on top of the fabric. It only takes a tiny bit of soil for a seed to germinate. What it does, it germinates and sends a root through the fabric, and now you've nailed the right. fabric to the soil. And and again, because I'm cheap and lazy, try to cut fabric around a bunch of plants, and then you got to buy it in the first place. Stay away from it. Another thing we don't want you to use is the inexpensive concrete block retaining wall products that are being sold everywhere today, especially at the big box stores. Those things are totally overused. People are forcing them into yards where they're not mm-hmm. needed, and uh, you're, you're doing a lot of extra expense and a lot of extra work that's not necessary at all. If you have a flat yard, you don't need a retaining wall. Okay, here's 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 the thing, and I understand what you're saying. Everybody wants that retaining wall, but then you'd say, some stone is good, and how? So, how do you make the the determination, well, the difference? I, I like natural stone. I like the natural flagstones that are sold anywhere that uh, that uh, stones uh, and rocks and boulders are sold. If you live in the southwest suburbs, can, can I plug a business? Would that be okay? Sure. Uh, Tim Wallace Landscape Supply in Bolingbrook on Mountain Road. I've known Tim for many years. Tim's a good business. He's very honest. He has a wide selection of natural stones and man-made stones. If you're out in the Naperville, Bolingbrook, Glen Ellen, Joliet area, pay him a visit. I, mm-hmm. I spoke to Tim the other day. I gave him a call on, on New Year's Day, actually. We talked about I wanted to get a heads up on how the business is around in this area. And here's something that, uh, that uh, you be, oh, we'll cover that in part four about Hard's case. But visit Tim. He's got a bunch of nice Products that you can get, but natural stones are good. But some of the uh, seeding wall products made by Unilock are also well. When good. you say covering part four, we got three minutes okay, left, so we're right. going to whip through all this. All right. All right. So, the, be smart with your hardscape. Which and and actually, the stone thing takes us into number four, which is hardscapes will make or break your garden. These are the patios and walls 
And uh, the, these are this is the one area of, of your gardening that you might want to hire a contractor because they involve vast amounts of heavy materials that's hard to shovel in a wheelbarrow mm-hmm. around a yard. You, get, you hire a contractor with this little bobcat tractor, it, you might be better served. So uh, I would I would recommend that. But uh, what about laying uh, the uh, stuff down yourself? Some people say I can do I can handle that, but uh, it's, it's just really very heavy work. It's heavy work. It's heavy work, and it, there's an art to it as well. And it's the Putting the stone bedding underneath yeah. it is—it's it, it, the gravel base under yeah. the pavers or under the concrete. It's—it's it's a lot of heavy material, so it, that again is one area that you might want to hire that out. In talking with Tim, though, at Tim Wallace Landscape Supply, he did say that there's a very critical shortage of labor uh, developing in our business. And so if you're going to Gosh, hire a contractor... Gosh, I wonder why. <laughs> uh, we won't even go into that. Well, okay. if you're going to hire a contractor, maybe start shopping now for that and get that mm-hmm. book by the 1st of March because it might be hard to get somebody after that. All right, finally, number five, finishing touches. These are the things that make your yard you, okay? I, there's a term, objet d'art, for works of art. Uh, objet trouvé, which are found objects. I like that, objet trouvé. I think that's a great word. Um, we saw on the shores of Lake Superior many years ago a piece of driftwood. My my then wife maybe climbed down an embankment to get it, lug it up to our minivan with full of kids and swimming stuff, and we drove it from Lake Superior, mm-hmm. and it still sits in her garden to this day. Okay, it was a found object, and uh, those kind of things. It, I got some. I went south to uh, Menard, Illinois, and uh, got some. Uh, oh boy, grape. Uh, vine that is almost indestructible once it's it's gotten to a certain size and and I throw and I got it from Guy Sternberg down there and I I said can I take some of that home and I I threw it into my garden yeah. and it's just beautiful it's it just adds to it because you're not going to get that here in a in a sub, in the middle of Chicago so uh, just, like, just like Nick's knickknacks on your shelf in the house uh, put these things out but and, be careful of, I want. would say be careful because so many put so many people put uh, junk. In their yard, and they think it's cute, and it clutters the garden as well. So you have to. And be... it, in, it invites the gnomes too. Yeah, that's right. Which is why I played the gnome thing at the top of the show. Yeah. Is uh, gnome is uh, yeah? I'm not. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of gnomes in the yard. But you know, if you want a gnome, go go for it. But don't don't have a whole family of gnomes in your yard, okay? But you also like uh, uh, low voltage lighting. For, for after dark use, certainly, and uh, and there's a whole wide range of solar-powered ones now. You don't have mm-hmm. to you run any wires. There's no transformer, and they absorb enough uh, sunlight during the day, and they'll keep your gardens lit till midnight. Then they run out of juice, and you got to you know just dark the rest of the night. But uh, they're excellent, and they're so easy to install. You get them out of the box, put a stake in the ground, you're good to go. I'm going to add one more thing: uh, natives. Uh, find a way to get some natives in your yard is what I would say because they usually require less maintenance. They attract our, our native pollinators and our native insects. Uh, you don't have to do wholesale slaughter and take stuff out, but please think next time you go out to get a plant, think natives is I what I would say. I agree 100%. All right. Well, if you want more information, go to Garden and Landscape Design, a quick start guide. I've got the link. David Perling, thanks for coming in from Thank San you, Diego. Thank you, Peggy. It was a joy. Thank you. All right. We'll have more. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. 
That is incorrect, Mr. Wharf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe? Author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com and buy Sitka Salmon Shares, bringing responsible and sustainable wild Alaskan seafood direct to your door. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're so glad you're with us. And once again, I'm going to, since it's the first week, I'll give another shout out to uh, Bartlett Tree Experts, uh, our brand new sponsor. And I want to also thank our other sponsors that you're hearing uh, on the show, a Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights. <laughs> I've still got my avocado plant under the Happy Leaf. <laughs> And, uh, and of course, Sitka Salmon Shares. And as far as I know, you can still get uh, your, your special deals uh, mm-hmm. for, for those if you go online. Uh, and there are codes. If you go to MikeNovak.net um, and the ads on the front page will tell you the codes you can use to get uh, some, some bucks off. 2019 shares. Uh, for, so, uh, yeah. And I know some folks uh, who got Sitka Salmon Shares, which uh, I'm very happy about. Um, and you guys are going to be so impressed. You're going to be so happy with uh, the seafood that you get. It's really tremendous. Um, this hour, I'm very excited. In the, in the next segment, we will have uh, an old buddy of mine from, uh, from way back. And we'll, we'll way, back. way, way back. Um, he has not been on my show before, and yet I've known him. For 35 years. So uh, that's that's kind of interesting. And we're going to be talking about uh, a lot of different things, including open spaces in Chicago, uh, TIF, uh, which is uh, tax increment finance districts uh, and corruption in Chicago and how it and basically how it relates to open areas and the environment. All right, because that's what we talk about in this show. I don't, I don't, I don't talk politics just for the sake of politics. Uh, I talk about politics in the service of this little plot of earth around uh, Chicago. And I, I think the key word here is going to be civics. Civics, yes. You're gonna get, you're gonna learn a civics lesson, and you're probably gonna want to uh, get involved. And that, that guy is Tom Tresser, and he'll be here in a little bit. Before then, we've got uh, we need to do a little plug for uh, Mister uh, Bill Turk, right? And Carrie Kendall. <laughs> That's right. Uh, playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall. All right. And Bill and Carrie are back today. They took That's their, right. Their That's right. Week, That's, yeah. Two mighty, weeks over the holidays. Mighty House was on yesterday live, and uh, Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall are on today. Of course, we never take a break here at the Mike Novak Show with Peggy. Some of Malecki. us are actually working on the radio. Yeah, uh, okay. 
But they're on today, Sunday, 1 to 3 Central Time on WCGO. Um, They're going to be welcoming writer, storyteller, and empowerment coach Victoria Reeves, who's coming on to talk about her upcoming event, Her Story 2019, Creative Iteration for Women. And they're reviewing a restaurant called Chez Simo Bistro. Uh, There's a lot of... Ooh la la. There's a lot of other guests and all new Blame Bill opportunities for 2019. All new? All new Blame Bill. So it's a whole new year. There's a lot of new things we can Blame Bill for. Uh, so and all, and all I have to say about that, Bill, is... You knew the job was dangerous when you took it, Fred. All right. Uh, even though your name isn't Fred. Uh, and the other thing I need to say about Bill is that he has stepped up big time for us um, uh, I was supposed to do this uh, event in February, and you're going to hear more about it on the show. We're going to be talking about this. Um, there's a new film out called Eating Animals. Um, and Crate Free Illinois is doing a, a screening of the film, and they're going to have a panel. And I was supposed to uh, be the moderator, and Peggy and I were going to stream it. And it turns out that uh, we are unavailable that day. And so who stepped up? But Bill Turk. Good for you, Bill. And he's going to be the moderator. Um, and it's going to be Crate Free Illinois and the Humane League pre- uh, uh, present Reduce Farm Animal Suffering in Illinois, Eating Animals, Screening, and Fundraiser. It's a feature-length Sundance film narrated and produced by Natalie Portman followed by a panel discussion on Farm Animal Welfare Tuesday, February 12th, 2019, 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. at Dovetail Brewery, which is 1800 West Bell Plain in Chicago. Uh, and uh, the tickets are, are really nominal fee, 25 bucks. Um, and you have to uh, go online to do this, and you can go to Crate Free mm-hmm. Illinois. Uh, on Facebook, and you can get uh, that information. And uh, we'll, we'll be posting that as well. And well, and we're going to interview yeah. somebody from. Uh, maybe we can get Natalie Portman. I wonder if we can get Natalie Portman on the show. You never know. That would be cool. Um, but we will. We will talk about that. And of course, oh, and, and some of the panelists are Mark Ayers, who's a friend of the show. He's the Illinois State Director for the Humane Society of the United States. Uh, Ilana. Uh, Braverman, uh, Program Manager, Farm Forward, Cliff McConville, Allgrass Farms. We talked to him mm-hmm. once before. Uh, Josh Richards, the Humane League, uh, and Jessica Chipkin from Crate Free Illinois. So uh, you should go to Crate Free Illinois on Facebook to see all of the information. And, and, and uh, I was talking to Bill the other day, and he said, you know, the benefit there's a side benefit for him is that now he gets to bring the Dovetail Brewery people on his show. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, and, and Randall's going, yep, thumbs up on that because uh, there'll be some uh, some uh, frosty beverage that comes along <laughs> with that when he brings Dovetail Brewery on. So, All right, coming up on the show, stand by. You're going to enjoy this. In fact, we want people to... Uh, to call in or write in with their comments. So if you call, it's 877-711-5611. We're bringing in Tom Tresser, who I call a civic warrior, and you'll find out why. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. From boat to doorstep. 
you can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. This is Mike Novak. For the past couple of years, I've posted the progress of my tomato growing on social media. And each of those years, somebody said, what kind of sun do you have? My tomatoes are barely started. Folks, it's not the sun. I get my tomatoes started with Happy Leaf LED grow lights. Five-year warranty, USA made. Go to happyleaf.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code Mike. Happy Leaf LED grow lights. Jumpstart your tomatoes with better light. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago. And that introduction, Fool for the City, is is kind of an homage to you, Tom Tresser, because uh, <laughs> first of all, it's from it's from our formative years, uh, little foggat, and um, uh, it's also because you are kind of a fool for the city. You, uh, in a good way, you uh, you fight for the city. I called you on my blog uh, a civic warrior, and uh, thank you. Uh, and and I'm sure that to a lot of people. Uh, you're a civic pain in the derriere, all right? <laughs> I, I, I bet, I bet it, you've had more than one person look, uh, kind of pull you aside and say, if you ever say that again. <laughs> well, <laughs> first of all, thanks a lot for <laughs> bringing me on your air. Um, yeah, I think I heard you in the uh, before saying that we've known each other for 35 years. Oh, my God. I used to have hair. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you in your viewing pleasure, you can see. Um, I still have mine. I, do. I don't know why. It's I have no idea why. Quite, quite distinguished, I might say. <laughs> but yes, we, we were actors back in the dim early days. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Tom came to my theater company, the Commons Theater, uh, and auditioned and obviously was good because he got cast. 
in a play that we did. We were, uh, for those of you listening on Facebook live uh, stream, uh, during the commercial break, we were doing a little Shakespeare here. Um, but we did a play called Dashiell Hamlet, right. the classic mystery. And it was basically, we. T- I was one of the four authors, Kathleen Thompson, Paul H. Thompson, and Mike Nussbaum, uh, who directed it and is still a director in Chicago. Uh, we wrote this play, and we and we based the uh, Hamlet story in film noir, L.A. Yeah, in uh, I love the clothes. Just uh, the clothes were the best. The <laughs> costumes were amazing, yeah. and it uh, takes place in uh, L.A. in a film studio right after the war. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I thought the piece was brilliant. It well, never it never went anywhere. It no, should. but I, I got to uh, I got to get blown away by uh, the. Um, Horatio character, the, I think it was. Who was the detective. Yeah, yeah, right, you know, and he was smoking a cigar, cigarette under the lamplight. It was so noir, and every <laughs> night I got blown away by a forty-five. went through the, the railing of the of the stairway. It was magnificent. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you were you were very good in the role. You, you, were, we, you were kind of a lizardy character. That's, that's right. That's right. I was channeling my inner lizard. But uh, those, were, yeah, but, those but, were the days. But, you know... What's so interesting, when I look at your biography, I didn't realize that at that time you were already engaged in civic activity. Right. Well, it's funny because, you know, I, I, I was starting, you know, as an actor, then a, a theater manager. Then I became a theater activist as the far right attacked the arts in 1990. And those of those But of wait a second, remember. weren't you doing something in 1972? Oh, you, you, well, I, my first voter registration campaign was in, in, in uh, college. Yeah, yeah, in the 1970s. So you had already begun to do this kind of thing. So you were setting the stage, yeah. no pun intended, for what you were going to do uh, <laughs> exactly. as the 80s ended. Yeah, right? I, I, even in high school I was doing civics. But seriously, though, uh, you know, you do voter registration and you do other things, volunteer work. But my attention really turned to American civics um, after a good career in the arts and producing when the far right started attacking the National Endowment for the Arts in 1991, the so-called culture wars, mm-hmm. yeah, which we lost. But uh, I ran around uh, well, the country. Now, why do you say that? Well, because they attacked the arts and built their own musculature. So the uh, far-right organizations like the Christian Coalition and the Focus on the Family and many others raised tens of millions of dollars and activated their base fighting the arts. Uh, so why? The arts. So why is it that the 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 fa- f- uh, fans of the arts and friends of the arts can't become musculature as oh, well. That's the question I've been asking, Mike, uh, at every level for thirty years, telling our colleagues, not just in the arts, but let's call them the nonprofit world, the the do good world, mm-hmm. the folks that are trying to make a difference in this in this world uh, across health, environment, uh, women's issues, every kind of uh, of, of of person that's trying to do good for 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 the larger society. Um, usually in some kind of nonprofit setting. And I've been asking them this very question. Um, we need to put our people in office and uh, have them govern according to their values, which is about service, repairing, you know, thinking holistically, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the values that I think we share. And that's been my argument to my colleagues uh, low these many decades. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, and you need to take that information and become strong with it and say, no, what we're doing here is good and healthy for our society. Yeah, and, and, and I use the environmental movement as my example. So I, I would say to people in the arts or in the nonprofit world, look at our colleagues in the environment. When was the first time you heard the word ecology? 
So think about that. Marvin Gaye. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it was in a, and it was a class in college in 1970. And the professor was speaking about this word, and it sounded like it was caught in your throat. Like, <coughs> ecology, what, what does it mean? <laughs> and he's like saying, well, I'm trying to explain. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a network. So when you, when you piss in the ocean, the, the polar bear coughs. You know, we're related. So I didn't understand. You know, so you have to come up upon a time. We, when... we say pee in the ocean oh, here on the show. That's <laughs> Pardon me. Pardon okay. me. But the idea that we're connected, that was a new concept for yeah. me. And you may remember the famous image of the Earth hanging in space from Apollo 8. Right. That was on the cover of, um, you know, Whole Earth Catalog. So there was this idea that, you know, we are one place. This is one planet. There is no away. You know, like I said, we're going to throw it away. There is no way. Which we're a ba- big fan of on this show. I bet you fan are. Of, uh, because yeah. you, we, and I've been saying that for, for a long time. That we, And we still have not gotten that into people's heads. Yeah. They still think that they can take anything they have and throw it in their garbage yeah. can. And it goes away. And yeah. it goes away. I don't away. see it any longer. That's right. It's gone away. It's gone. Yeah. So, but I'm just saying that moment for me, you know, and for America is like learning, okay, there is an environment. And, and I'd say after 40 years, you have the Environmental Defense Fund, the Sierra Club, so many instruments of policy and power. Mm-hmm. And there's a thought that even if you were walking with your daughter and you threw a piece of paper on the on the ground, the daughter would say, Daddy, what are you doing? You know, there's a, there's a consciousness, but it was learned, <sighs> taught, and fought for. I can't tell you how many times I'm driving behind somebody and I'm stopped at a light and they throw mm. something out the car mm. window. I want to get out, mm. pick it up and say, I think you lost mm. this, but you know, you never know what bad no. thing is going. You can't no. do that. No, no but, but, uh, but it, but it the, occurs to me. Yeah. So this, uh, I, I would just say generally our colleagues who are fighting for nature and the environment have done a great job. We're not done yet by any means, but I feel like that's a, a model. And that's what I was talking to my friends in the arts in the nonprofit world, to say, look, if we have values too, uh, that means ex- ex- that should be expressed. So, when you want to build something now, you just can't build any old darn thing any old which way. You have to file environmental impact statements, and there's a consciousness that says capitalism should be reined in by the greater good. So, you you can't just build what you want by the swamp or the marsh or the glen and so forth, because you have to take that into consideration. And so, your ownership of that piece of property is mitigated by the larger environment in which you live. So that's not a new thing anymore. And the thing it takes, as you've learned over the years, Tom, it takes research, um, a lot of hard work, FOIAs, uh, just the kinds of things that suck up time, suck up energy. Uh, When you're fighting against these elements, they're working hard, too. They're working hard to steal your money and to, to corrupt uh, politics, so they're working hard, but and they've been doing it for a long time. And people say, "Well, well, how? Why can they get away with it?" Well, it's because the other people don't sit and do work as hard as they are working to corrupt society. Well, that's why we created the Civic Lab. The Civic Lab is nice a, segue. Is, 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 is an instrument uh, for progressive. Uh, it's a do tank. It's a do tank uh, to advance uh, civic engagement and social justice in the way that you're speaking of. So. You know, we have accelerators and, and labs and all sorts of things for business and technology. Mm-hmm. Incubators. Incubators, things of that nature. Uh, social justice needs that same help. And that's what I've been devoting my, my career to these last, these last few years. But to, to go back to, to Michael's uh, original question about <laughs> do people say my name and spit, well, <laughs> I'd like to think that some people do. Um, you know, it's a badge of honor, isn't it? It is. I mean, um, 
there's sort of a, I think I'm sort of radioactive actually now in Chicago, and it may have to do with the fact Well, you that- know, one of the reasons is you don't hold back. And I've seen you over the years is that you just speak your mind and you say you deal with it, okay? Well, I guess so, and uh, for better or worse, and and I and I speak, as you point out, with research. So the, the positions that I've taken over the years come from mm-hmm. deep research and, uh, and, and, and pursuing the facts wherever they may be. And that was why we opposed the Olympics, for example. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but even before that. Well, we can get into that a little bit. I want to talk about the Olympics. I want to talk about uh, the Obama uh, Presidential Center. Oh, sure. I want to talk about Lincoln Yards. Right. These are like three. Yeah. They're, they're all of a piece. Uh, you know, you could you could add to that the Lucas Museum sure. on the lake, the, yeah. which fortunately was defeated. Yeah. Uh, and they're all of a piece because – they're all about taking our resources that that we fought and people fought and died for over the years in Chicago right. um, and giving them away to the rich and powerful. Yep. Uh, and uh, we can't have that. I mean, this is why people like you step up. Well, I call myself, uh, guys, a, a public defender, <laughs> but it's not like you think about in the courts, you know. And when I speak in public, and, I, and which I do quite a bit, mm-hmm. I always introduce myself by saying, "Hi, I'm I'm Tom Tresser, a civic educator and public defender." And it goes, people go, "Hmm, oh, I know what you mean." <laughs> uh, I like civic warrior myself. Oh, I'll go with that. I'm going to make a T-shirt, brother. Uh, okay. Um, but the idea of, of that the public needs to be explained and defended and expanded is a thing, you know, because um, we're being privatized and monetized. Mm-hmm out the yin-yang. So that which is public, stuff that we all own in, together. The in, commons. In the commons. So it's like we, we, no one owns the air, no one owns, owns the, earth, the water in that, in that sense. So we share it. We must steward it, 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 it for the future, mm-hmm. right? So when somebody tries to buy that, you know, and then monetize it, I, that makes me crazy. You know, and so stuff that's public. Well, especially when you look at the city of Chicago and its history in protecting the lakefront. Yeah. This has been a big deal. I mean, if I had my way, we would raise Lake Point Tower right now, today, <laughs> all right? And uh, because it's it's on that park area. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's, that ship sailed a long time ago. But there are other places we can still protect, and, and it, it really angers me and frustrates me when people say, well, you saved, uh, you, you kicked Lucas out, uh, they call a, the group Friends of the Parking Lot, because you saved the, the Bears parking lot. No, it's not, it's not that. The parking lot shouldn't be there either, right. okay? But as long as the par- it's just a parking lot, there's an opportunity to do something with it good. Yeah, so, so your Chicago, rightly, is, is well-known and, and deserves fame for protecting its lakefront, like other cities have not. You go down to Milwaukee, other cities, the, the development comes right to the waterfront. Mm-hmm. And so the question about the value of public. So if it has the word public in front of it, I love it. <laughs> so it's a public schools. I'm a product of public schools of New York City. Public libraries. I didn't have a lot of money when we were when I was growing up, so I was in the library all the time. Uh, public parks. You know, we love our parks. You know, death. libraries are still wonderful. Uh, and one of the great things about libraries is that you can get internet there, which seems mm-hmm. you know counterintuitive somehow, but mm-hmm. it's a place where you can get knowledge and access to knowledge, and that's why libraries are still so valuable. Well, our, our, the history of the, the American Republic, the American way of life, if you will, the, our, our, the fundamentals of our democracy and our economy are so tightly twined with the word public, you can't separate them. And so a great public means a great city and a great country, 
a great economy, a great democracy, and it's morally correct on so many ways. I could go to church on this one, right? You know? <laughs> so that's why, I, you know, when someone comes to grab your public stuff, it makes me crazy. I also don't like bullies. Uh, so we got, we got people who are privatizers and we got bullies uh, working together here in Chicago. And that's part of what has motivated my, my public work going back to, um, yeah. Uh, so uh, that's Tom Tresser. By the way, I'm going to hold up the book. You should get a copy of this. <laughs> it's called Chicago is Not Broke. And it explains very clearly throughout the book, and I love the fact that you've got all these different uh, citizens, and and uh, they are some of them are iconic. And yeah. here, like Dick Simpson writes yeah. in here, and, and other people who 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 have fought for rights in Chicago, and they explain very clearly where your money is going and why it's not going into the public mm-hmm. good, but it's going somewhere else, which is usually the pockets of politicians and other connected people. Uh, and that will explain, and it's, it's not a look, it's not, a, it's not very long. Right. Uh, it's a short read and it, you, you will learn a lot. And how can people get a hold of this? Book? Well, they just go to, we are not broke.org. We are not broke.org. And it's uh, all of $15 plus tax and shipping. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's $5 billion guys of uh, progressive, sustainable revenue solutions for our great city. All right. We'll get back to Tom Tresser, but it's a new year and a new era for the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We are so pleased to welcome Bartlett Tree Experts as the primary sponsor of this show as we enter our third year on 1590 WCGO and our expansion into the rest of the nation on the Gab Radio Network. Now, Bartlett is the largest residential tree care firm in the world. They have nine offices in the Midwest, including four in the Chicago area. Their work is backed by the Bartlett Research Laboratories in Charlotte, North Carolina, where Ph.D. scientists research the best tree care science to bring to their clients. Over the weeks, we'll tell you more about those techniques. We'll invite arborists on the show to answer your tree care questions, like Skeet, who works for Bartlett. He'll be back. I know he's going to be back. (laughs) Uh, And we'll give you tips that fit the season and your tree care needs. Meanwhile, whether it's for a tree at your home or your business, give Bartlett a call for a free tree care estimate. Why? Because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Tom Tresser is here. More when we return. Did you know it can take up to three liters of water to produce just one liter of bottled water? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Over 22 billion water bottles end up in landfills each year, and far too many end up in our oceans and waterways. According to the Environmental Working Group, about 40% of bottled water is actually regular tap water that may or may not have gotten any additional treatment. They also confirmed there was at least 38 different low-level contaminants in bottled water and an average of eight chemicals. So, ditch the plastic water bottles, folks. Choose to filter water and use reusable bottles for your own health and to reduce plastic waste in landfills. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and, of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. 
Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, regional reports, what to do in the garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com. Or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. This is your talk. You want to just put in hashtag in any of your social media, hashtag 1590WCGO. Evanston, Chicago. See, every song has uh, a theme here. This one, of course, is Elton John's Burn Down the Mission. Uh, and I have a feeling that sometimes <laughs> that's kind of what, 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 you know, and, and it just says in the song, you got to burn down the mission if we're going to stay alive. And sometimes <laughs> you, you, have to ta- you have to take on the institutions, uh, and that's what Tom Tresser has uh, done. And again, pick up a copy of his book, Chicago is Not Broke. It's been out for several years. It's been updated. Uh, and again, it, just you want to get just get a little insight into what's going on in the vastness of the corruption in this city, it's 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 mind blowing, isn't it? Well, we are trying at the Civic Lab at civiclab.us to expand our civic imaginations. Okay, mm-hmm. we want to move, and I think this is consistent with your show, Mike, and some of the things I know about your work. We want to move from a frame of scarcity to one of abundance. We're not going to be able to do much in this world if we keep saying we have no money, we have no opportunities, and our Im- imaginations are limited. Change the mindset. Mm-hmm. Change the frame. Change the narrative. And the frame in Chicago is one of we ain't got for you. We got plenty for the mayor. There's no problem with, with his friends and allies and investors. But when it comes to most of the people and most of the neighborhoods, I'm sorry, our cupboard is bare. And we reject that frame. And we prove it in this book, mm-hmm. Chicago is Not Broke, Funding the City We Deserve. Have you sent copies to all the mayoral candidates? Um, we, well, most of them have them. The League of Women Voters purchased a copy for every alderman <laughs> and for the mayor. Um, <laughs> now, we've been, do- we've been doing uh, public meetings. We come to your community like we make civic house calls. Mm-hmm. We've done 65 public meetings on the book since the two years it was out. The mayor has had no public meetings on his budget for three years. <laughs> so he's crammed uh, about $2 billion worth of regressive taxes down our throats, the red light cameras, or we call them the scammeras. Oh, I like that. The scammeras, okay. yeah. And, um, you know, soda pop taxes, all regressive, the wrong way to raise money for a city. Uh, and we've done 65 public meetings to try to talk about the ideas in the book. 
Uh, let's get to some of those uh, ideas. Well, let's get to some of the specifics because one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is obviously I want people to learn in general, but we got to get to specifics. You you mentioned, uh, and we'll just uh, quickly throw it out there: the Olympics that yeah. was, and I was I was on your team with that. It's like this is crazy. <laughs> you know, we will spend uh, billions of dollars on this, and who's going to see anything from it? Yeah. Uh, and it got defeated, and it really didn't even have anything to do with the way it was set up. I, I think, I think Richie Daly got played by the Olympic Committee. Hmm. Um, I don't know, but uh, well, you know, for, for your listeners, we have to take you to the wayback machine to 2008 when it was all the Olympics all the time. So we have to remember that Mayor Daly spent the last two years of his reign completely trying to prosecute the Olympic bid. And uh, people say he abandoned his post, and he was fixated on bringing the Olympics here. He said in public that we have no ideas, our, we have nothing up our sleeve civically uh, if we don't get the games. So in other words, we don't get the games, everyone stay home, there's no jobs, we have no clue. Um, and it would have cost probably around $20 billion, we reckon. And, and it would have commandeered a lot of lakefront property. Oh, it, it was a privatized the city for seven years. Yeah. They would have destroyed Washington Park, a historically famous uh, Olmstead design park, very significant to the African-American community, completely destroyed. The whole area would have been militarized. So if we think it's police violence in African-American communities are bad now, imagine patrolled with machine guns by the Army and paramilitary. That's what comes with the Olympics. So it's environmentally disastrous, financially ruinous, and morally poisonous. But aside from that, the Olympics are great. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no problem. Bring them. Okay. So that's done. We know that uh, the the Lucas Museum on the lakefront got defeated. I was jumping for joy when that happened. And it had a lot to do with people like you, but also Friends of the Parks, yep. who, who did the lawsuit. And they were trashed yep. for that and continue to be trashed for that. Um, I think what they're doing, and they and and that takes us to the Obama Library, which we have to talk many times in this mm-hmm. show about. We've had uh, Juanita Irizarry on the show several times to to talk about that whole thing, and I view it it's person, you know. And she won't say this, and because she's she's smart, she's she's very political. But I'm the radio host, so I get to be a loose cannon. Mm-hmm. It's a land grab. It's a land grab. Yeah, That's all it is. It is. It's a land grab of of a beautiful park. Why, you know, we have all this land in the south side of chicago that could be redeveloped and turned into something wonderful but no you got to take something that's already special and build a toaster (laughs) on it you know i call it the toaster by the lake because that's what the design looks like well you know um the the university of chicago uh is prosecuting this uh this project and they own hundreds of properties all around there and they are the bastion of the free market (laughs) you know the temple of the free market the market can do wrong except why go to the market if they can take your stuff for free? So the, the lesson that they're teaching us is, you know, never mind the market. If I can grab your public stuff and use it for my p- profit, mm-hmm. that's the better way. So it's a land grab. And we formed something called Protect Our Parks in 2008 to fight the Latin school when they were grabbing parts of Lincoln yeah, Park. I remember that. Yeah. For a soccer field. Now, the soccer field was built, but we sued in court and we tore up the contract between the Latin school and the park district, which would have made that park, that little soccer facility exclusive to the Latin school for 90% of the year. That's a taking. I mean, imagine, you know, in New York City putting like a roller coaster in the middle of the sheep meadow in Central Park. I mean, that would be uh, cause riots. But in Chicago, it was like, whatever, you know, it's a done deal, you know, shrug shoulders. Well, we fought it and sued, had no allies at all, but we won. 
and protect our parks is the group that's now suing. Uh, I love the uh, the story of that you tell of uh, bringing you know like your two or three lawyers into court, and the city had their lawyers like lined, thirteen lawyers <laughs> lined up ready it to was go, like, uh, and they lost the case. They lost the case. The they law, lost the, the case. We, we had the law on our side. We were fighting for the lakefront protection ordinance, mm-hmm. which you mentioned earlier. That's a sacred thing. And their argument was, well, we, the city of Chicago, are the arbiters of the Lakefront Protection Ordinance, and we have investigated ourselves, and we are fine with ourselves. That's kind of how they roll. So now, look, Ed Burke is going, could be going to the pokey and after 50 <laughs> years. This city is so opaque, so corrupt. Even, t- even today, they say the machine is a thing of the past. It isn't. No. And we saw well, uh, okay. The embodiment of that is, and I'll probably get myself in trouble for for this. Is Tony Preckwinkle? Well, no, I I, won't, I ran against her in 2010. I was the Green Party candidate. Yeah. People forget that 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 was how great my campaign was. <laughs> but uh, I was the Green Party candidate for Cook County Board President against. And her. I guess I better be careful because we already know one radio host got yanked off the air <laughs> uh, a, a week ago. Be careful for 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 criticizing mayor yeah. mayors and mayoral candidates, that's right. and that's uh, Ben Jarofsky. Yeah. Uh, who was at WCPT and is no longer there. Be careful, brother. (laughs) Uh, You know, I love the people here at CGO. They, as long as I don't, I'm not slanderous. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they're they're fine. Well, I I try to speak truth, but as you say at the top of the show, it tends to be a little acidic. But um, I called Tony Preckwinkle to her face, the new face of the Democratic machine in 2010, in the Chicago Tribune editorial board. And I asked her at that time to renounce her support of Joe Barrios, who was running for assessor. And she said, no, he is a, a champion for women in office. <laughs> I had a laugh. I said, Alderman Preckwinkle, you mean he, he put his daughter, Tony, in office? That's what you're talking about. Yeah. So she said, no, I, I'm, I, I'm a loyalist to the party, and he's the chairman of my party. And she said that many times in public, and she said it right up to the time Barrios lost. So I'm sorry. Uh, she's the face of the Democratic machine, and she's just going to have to live with and it. And she may be the next mayor. So and she uh, may be. Yeah. Uh, but so we've gone through... You know, and I don't want to rehash the Obama library except uh, to say that they could have done it better. They could have had more public, uh, you know, and and they're sort of beeping and backtracking now when they did this presentation and suddenly there was all this hue and outcry about uh, why why you're taking away a park. Then there were a bunch of meetings that started happening and there's still people Mm -hmm. unhappy with it. And the thing that really frustrates me, and I read an article that was written two days ago or three days ago about the golf course yeah. that's supposed to happen, the Tiger Woods. And you know what it was? It was some fluff piece written in Chicago about, hey, isn't this great? Tiger Woods is designing a golf course. And there was no mention about the land grab and the bird sanctuary that was going to be impacted yeah. and all, you know, and the fact that it would probably price the average. Uh, oh, the Chicago citizen out of that oh, golf the, course. The, the, the cost is going to go up by by a thousand percent. I know. I play golf. I like golf. Okay. Yeah. I cannot afford to golf in most places. No, you won't be oh, able to go there. I won't be able to to, no. to golf in the city of Chicago. So it's a, it's a, it's it's a kind of a city beautiful uh, gentrification master plan that's been rolling in the city for at least a hundred years since the Burnham plan in uh, 1909. So the idea of um, you know, building this thing in public land is offensive. They could have put it so, so many different places and have done such a boon to the community. Um, they should have uh, repurposed a high school and a, and a community college to train people to be docents and curators and actually people that would work 
and create the content for the center. And the community involvement, the uh, well, the community agreement yeah. that, they, that they just refuse They refuse to, to sign it. They refuse to sign it. And, uh, and Obama used to be an organizer. People re- So he understands that. it, and the reason— He would have been fighting— <laughs> He would have been fighting for a community benefit. Don't agreement. get me wrong here. I like Obama. I like the Obamas. I think he was a great president. Um, yeah, this has nothing to do know, with that. It, it really has nothing to do with it. It has to do with taking— our parkland away from us in Chicago when you could have easily because you're you're a, a, a multimillionaire and you've got the, all the resources in the world behind you. You could have picked someplace yeah. else. Their people on his board are the wealthiest in, in America. So he's got billionaires at his beck and call. They could have bought anything they wanted. They could have put built anything they wanted. So it's a land grab, and we'll have to leave it at that. I all guess. right, so we move from Tiger Woods and, <laughs> and Obama on the south side, and we and we got two minutes, but when we're, we're, go, we're going to finish this. We're going to the end of the hour for this with this the because this is what's happening right now even more uh this is going to affect the city of chicago even more than the obama library and that is lincoln yards yeah uh we and creating we, new parkland and create well we want we we want to create new parkland it doesn't look like it's going to happen particularly we've had waggis back on the show we've had alderman michelle smith there in the neighboring wards we've had brian hopkins on the show and i talked to him about it and um, there have been meetings now, and we're going to pass a new TIF uh, district. <laughs> Over my dead body. Yeah, but... well, I know. And, and I want to talk briefly about TIFs. Uh, and that's kind of the reason I brought up Ben Jarofsky, because he's, <laughs> he's been the TIF guy. You and Ben have been like this tag team about right. TIFs right. in the city of Chicago and, and the destructive nature. Ironically, TIFs started by Harold Washington. True story. Uh, yeah. And so you look at that and you go, how did this all go mm-hmm. wrong? But that's money that used to go to our schools and go to our public libraries and go to our parks. Nine, $9 billion taken off the table since TIFs were created and, in and, the city of TIFs, Chicago. real quick, a TIF is? It's a district created by the city that sucks property taxes uh, in the name of development, but it's really a slush fund. <laughs> well, that's what it's turned into. There you go. Tom Tom Tresser calling it as he sees it. Uh, you can uh, go to, what is civiclab.us? Yes, sir. Uh, and, and, yeah, he's holding the book. And, and what he told me earlier is that you market like crazy when you don't have a big budget, and that's the way it works. So keep holding the book up. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll talk about Lincoln Yards when we come back. Wild Things is back. I'm talking about the 2019 Wild Things Conference on February 23rd at the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center in Rosemont. There's nothing like it anywhere else in the country, as naturalists, citizen scientists, conservationists, birders, and more converge for more than 100 seminars, as well as comedy, workshops, and goodwill, and perhaps a libation afterwards. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is a media sponsor again this year. Get your tickets at wildthingscommunity.org. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. Blues don't care if you, you're old. 
Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. We have Tom Tresser here in the studio with us, and we had to play a little blues since we're talking about uh, Chicago. And uh, so we've been talking tiffs. We've been talking land grabs in the city of Chicago. Uh, and again, you know, like I say, the reason I got him here today, a few months ago, we ran into each other. And I said, I'd love to have you on the show, but I'm, I'd like to focus on you know, open spaces and environmental matters. And this, it, and Tom said, bring it on. I, I, I talk about that stuff all the time. So here we are. And the latest is this thing called Lincoln Yards, which is basically the, the North Branch uh, industrial corridor where they tore down uh, some factories and, and they've had steel production there and that's going to go away. And the idea is to transform the city. However, if you talk to people like Alderman Scott Wagesback, he's, He's he's terrified of what's going to happen there because one thing is going to affect his ward greatly. They're going to plop down basically a city within a city. City within a city. A city. It's like taking the city of Oak Park and dropping it mm-hmm. in to the middle of Chicago, except without the open space and without the trees. Right. All right. So yeah, we're talking about maybe ten thousand workers, five to seven thousand people living there. We can't figure out where these people are coming from where the jobs are coming from. We believe that this was ginned up in anticipation of Amazon HQ2, mm. but we're not getting that. That's going to New York. So, Which wh- is another victory for the city of Chicago, if you ask right. me. Well, again, you know, on, on one sense, I'm a free market capitalist, libertarian, radical, progressive, in the sense of you want to build something, build something. You know, don't use, but just don't use my public money. Right? My don't public get, land. I don't want to give you two point five billion dollars yeah. for you to, yeah. to, to because you're going to make a billion dollars yeah, anyway. On he, this. Bezos is the world's richest man. Yeah. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I think he's worth like like nineteen ninety ninety nine zero billion dollars. No, so we're not coming. That's not coming here. So what is going on with this Lincoln mm-hmm. Yards? It's bloated beyond understanding. They're talking about forty-story towers right there along the north. They Branch were going to be seventy-story towers, it, and now they've scaled it back. Which I wonder if that was the plan all it's along. It's always the plan. These guys are are schooled. They've been around the block many times. They know that when they propose these giant developments, they know that we we demand public meetings. So they bloated up way beyond understanding, and then they have a couple of meetings. And they go, you see, we're listening to you. We dropped it from 70 towers to it's only 40 towers, which is what we wanted in the first place. Yeah. So, all right, this thing is way bloated beyond understanding. It's going to cause massive congestion and insanity all around that north part of Chicago. So if you're talking about Sedgwick, Armitage, that's where we are. Let's put it this way. It's already congested. Now, part of the reason is because... The bridges over the north branch of the Chicago there's River. A, there's are, only a few places where you can go across right, the river. So. They're, they're inadequate. So they're yeah. going to add a few more, but it, but they're also going to add, I don't know, 5,000, 10,000, how many? 50,000 people, you know, I, I, and at any given time because people coming into work, who knows what the number will no, be? And, and a metro station yeah, and everything else. All the things that, are, that they're demanding is going to cause, it has caused them to create a TIF to support all this which is going to suck $1.3 billion off the table to support this development. And what we're trying to say is, look, Chicago's history is where developers run the show. It's the tail wagging the dog. Instead of having a massive overarching plan for economic justice, environmental sanity, uh, econ- uh, you know, where parity, where everybody's making uh, good you know, across the city, it's the developers that have driven the show since, since 1909. Mm-hmm. So what they want 
they get, and then we have to respond. So they want to build a cockamamie project on the river. <laughs> then we have to run, run to their aid with this uh, TIF to help them out. So they're saying— uh, and let's, let's, let's back up for just a second. So basically they're saying we can't possibly build this because we don't have enough—we're we're big, rich, fancy developers, but we don't really have enough money, even though we're going to make a lot of money on this. We don't have enough money to do it. So we need to divert your tax dollars in this TIF, and we will divert them for 23 years, right. which means that money will not go to the schools no. and the parks and the public no. libraries for 23 years while we pump it into the buildings that we're going to put up— that that's, that's and, a, and and they say and the improvements, but we're going to also improve the area. Right. Well. well, that's essentially their argument. And remember, a TIF is supposed to be for blighted areas, so mm-hmm. we have to dial the clock back to understand that. Why did Harold Washington bring this tool to Chicago? He was trying to figure out a way to get the development out of the loop and out of the central sort of the five wards. That's the super loop into the other forty-five yeah. wards. You know, communities of color and communities share it that around are, the whole yeah city. get share the share the wealth. And that's what he was trying to do. But when he passed away, uh, Richard Daly II came in, and someone in his shop discovered this TIF thing is the goose that lays the golden civic egg. And there's been a 45-degree angle straight uptick uh, to, to, the, to, to today, where we have 145 active TIFs across the city. About 30% of the land of the city is in a TIF. No other city in America has this kind of burden. And last year, they sucked $493 million dollars these TIFs, off the table. And as you say, the losers are the other units of government that rely on property taxes. Mainly the public schools. Yeah, public 56% schools. 56% should be going to, that's been sucked out from the, yeah. from the TIFs. Are there any checks and balances on where this money actually is going? Not if you can check and balance the mayor. And the last time I checked, we have a rubber stamp city council that in its entire history of record keeping has never gainsayed the mayor. So they want this uh, this TIF. Uh, how big? How many millions uh, or billion? It's it'll suck one point three billion. One point three billion. All right. So they want this TIF, and now we're negotiating. All right. First of all, we're going to lose all that money, which is going to go into to that neighborhood. Uh, the friends of the North Branch Park and Nature Preserve say we need a contiguous park along that branch of the Chicago River uh, because we need some darn open space in the city of Chicago. Right. And they've been fighting that. The, the developers have been fighting it like crazy. They rolled out this thing. We were at the meeting on the 29th of November. I was at the meeting on the 14th as well. And I know you've been a lot more meetings, Tom. Uh, and they show you these these grand schemes, including the stadium, a soccer stadium, which, frankly, I don't understand why the soccer stadium's there at all, Tom. <laughs> well, it's co-owned by the Ricketts family. <clears throat> so they're going to figure out a way to make money from the minor league soccer next to that is a is an indoor arena maybe 10,000 seats to be owned by Live Nation and we have to remember the mayor's brother Ari Emanuel is on the board of Live Nation so the fix is in our our, our club owners our our small club owners like uh, Empty Bottle and Subterranean and Martyrs and places like that that produce live music are up in arms they're afraid that they're their livelihoods will be ruined by these by these venues, and they have a right to be fair. So right. when when uh, Alderman Wagasback, we got two minutes here, so we're going to wrap this up. We got two, uh, when Alderman Wagasback and Michelle Smith were on the show last April, they said we want a twenty four acre park. Yeah, uh, and so the in their in their uh, benevolence, the developers come back. Uh, at the November 29th say, uh, meeting and say, hey, we'll give you 20 acres. And I'm like, we can't even get the 24 <laughs> acres that, well, that we're asking for this. Well, you got to remember when uh, Burnham did his plan so many years ago, he called for 
uh, 10 acres of open land per 1,000 residents. <clears throat> and according to the National Trust for Public Land, we're at 4.4. So we're not even halfway there. Yeah. So, so, so here we are. We're gonna, this is going to be fought uh, for, well, one of the things that needs to happen before we go, is all the mayoral candidates need to take a stand yes. on Lincoln yes. Yards. Yes, that's they true. They need to say what they believe in in terms of Lincoln Yards and open space. You know, this this could have been an opportunity for us to to set a precedent for mm-hmm. the world. This is how you develop a downtown area. Instead, it's the same old, same old. Yeah, and it's nonsense. <laughs> yeah, N- no new tiffs. Hashtag no new tiffs. And no deal without a park. No deal without a park. Uh, Tom Tresser, thank you very much. Go to civiclab.us. If folks want a copy of the book, they go to wearenotbroke.org. Uh, you're going to be back. We're, we're going to be discussing this for a long, <laughs> long, well, maybe not. It might get rushed through, and then, don't be surprised if that happens. We'll still be discussing it. Uh, thanks to Tom Tresser. Thanks to David Perling. Thanks to uh, Randall and Ellie. And uh, even Andrew. Okay, until next time, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.